Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. I'm Pat Nevin. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back. We are making our way through the Premier League on London is Blue podcast this preseason. And Nick and I are back for another preview. Nick, who do we have up this time? What what, what team are we going to get into? Uh, the, the Red Devils of Manchester United, Dan. Uh, you know, they they finished sixth last year. We're going to talk a little bit about how that happened and, uh, and what we might expect uh, this season. Yeah, we don't want to trigger any bad flashbacks, so we're going to try to be as polite as possible because we too have suffered uh, Nick at the hands of the Mourinho multi-season curse. And uh, it's never good for anybody. <laughs> it's a fa- it is a factual thing. It just happens. And when, when he went there, I knew it was going to happen. And, uh, and now, and now the curse be ridden. I think you guys are, uh, they're probably going to be okay. It's All like right. nature. <laughs> and there's Alex. Alex is uh, one of the hosts of the American Red Devils. Uh, they're at USA Red Devils on Twitter. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, gents. Uh, howdy, howdy. Uh, I'm Alex and from Alex and John of the American Red Devils, and we're just excited to be on. I represent 20 times, 20 times Manchester United, uh, even though we had an ugly finish the last year, but a little bit of that Mourinho curse. 
just to keep it spicy. Yeah, you know, that definitely is the uh, the Diablo sauce on top of the taco right there. No doubt. So how did you end up being a becoming a United supporter? Let's get the audience to know just a little bit about you before we jump in and make you relive some pretty terrible memories. <laughs> well, let's start from the glory days. You know, the seed started young, uh, probably like FIFA 03. And it was a red-haired midfielder that caught my eye, and that was Paul Scholes. And they were probably the best team in FIFA back in the day because they were the best team back in the day. Um, started from there, and then Manchester United was the team that was on Fox Soccer, started watching it. And Rooney, when he made the signing after the, uh, after the Euro that he had, that was kind of like the last piece, got his jersey and went full hog. And then when I went abroad uh, in college in like 07, 08, got to go to my first game. Um, Wigan, Wigan at home, 4-0, dude, two goals from Ronaldo, Tevez, and Rooney. So... You know, and then here we go. And two years ago, we started a podcast. Me and a buddy of mine from uh, from growing up. So we've been, we've seen the good days, and now we started a pod in the in the worst of days. So we are just trying to be half, you know, glass half full kind of guys at this point. Well, that is uh, definitely m- maybe a little bit of a harder task than it has been in previous seasons. So maybe talk about what your favorite moment moment is or has been as a United supporter before we get into last season. Well, I hate to say it, but my favorite moment thinking back, it's gotta be Moscow baby and the slip and that, and then, and the champions league, my first champions league as as a fan. So that was a special one for me. Remember the bar, remember the two bars switching back and forth, you know, going from the one bar that wasn't even allowing people in to uh, the red lion. I'm sure you guys know that spot in Bleecker street. So that was a special moment for me, but you guys got yours, so that's all good. Yeah, you know, kind of feel like we should have had more, but uh, that that's just how it is sometimes. So, uh, you know, we... Time. Take time. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into last season and talk maybe a little bit about what happened for Manchester United. Sixth place finish in the league, gets bounced out of the FA Cup after going up against Wolves, loses to Frank Lampard's Derby County in the... Carabao Cup and then in the Champions League uh, ends up getting knocked out by Barcelona in the quarters after a pretty impressive victory over PSG. So walk us through how do you, how do you feel about last season? I mean, there's there's so much to unpack there, but maybe like at a high level, how do you feel about it? I mean, Jens, I could pack a oh, 60 minute podcast just trying to cover all the emotions that a typical diehard United fan felt last year. I mean, it was a tale of two seasons, really. You have the Mourinho, the dying star, just collapsing under his own weight. Inevitability of not having signings being made, center backs not being signed, and then him just like going full baby mode. Pogba wanting out after the World Cup. And then that just came to a head. The Liverpool game, and you knew it was lights out for him finally. And then what do you what do you who do you call? Babyface assassin comes in, the legend, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, like you couldn't have written in the stars better, comes in right before Christmas and just like, all right, let's go boxing day. Boom, boom, boom. One win after another, what nine, 10 wins on, uh, on the trot. Then you go down to Paris, make have that result. And then like you gave him the contract and everything kind of fell apart from there. Pogba started acting up. The yogging continued. And then we just completely like, you know, top four or top three was in our grasp, but like you guys, and we just, everyone was almost like falling over themselves at the very end. All the teams that weren't, the top two just kind of like, you know, tripped to the end. And we were just the lowest of that sixth place is where we landed. But, but you guys especially tripped. And, and I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about this because I, I think in mid January, we were doing our show and we always kind of had like a, a top six watch on uh, just to kind of see the movement. And there was, you know, quite a bit of movement between January and, and April specifically 
And I remember looking at your projected schedule through the end of the year and being like, man, they're on a tear and they don't have the FA Cup anymore. And they're not in this, you know, in the Carabao Cup. And, you know, they, they really only have, you know, a really big Champions League match and some easy Premier League matches. Like, what the hell happened? I mean, you got you guys had the easiest run in and completely tripped over yourselves. Dude, the ferry just ran out. I mean, it was at the beginning. We couldn't put a step wrong. Or the Tottenham result, the Arsenal result, the Chelsea result. And then it was actually the FA Cup. I think the FA Cup loss against Wolves. We actually played well. We played better than Wolves. Then we ended up playing them in subsequent games uh, like a month later. Shots didn't go our way. We should like Lukaku should have had a brace and end up losing that game. And then like all of a sudden like the morale dips a little bit and you know certain players start yogging a little bit more and running a little less. And I think it all just kind of like came to a head because you know we have two two of our talismans are like on the way out, likely on the way out. In Lukaku and Bogba. So you know there's some bad juju that like was still reminiscent of the Mourinho squad. So I think Ole needed a fresh start this summer, which he's he's getting. He's not getting the signings, but he's getting a fresh start. So. How did you feel? Because that, that was a really interesting thing to me where Ole ends up getting, you know, there's the Ole's got his hands on the wheel moment from uh, from Rio, and he's talking about it, getting people hyped up, and then he gets this contract, and to me it felt like the moment the contract was on the table, I felt, actually, I felt so much better about how bad the rest of the season was going to go because I just feel like that was going to, is way too much reward for too little proven how do you feel? How do you feel about that in the season, and then how do you feel about that now? The hard thing—it's it's very hard for a Chelsea fan to understand, like kind of what Manchester United fans have been going through, like fans that have been around at least for the good times, and now the shit last six years. So, thing you have to keep in mind is that like we're used to having one coach, and then we had these three shit coaches. Mourinho wasn't a shit coach, and you could argue LVG had his day back in the day. But like, long story short, we're not used to this turnover. So, like, when he came aboard, we happened to have a trip going. So, we were at Fulham away. Great game. Great win. 3 nothing win. And then we went for the home game against PSG at home. And the bar was, like, rocking. I mean, the bar is, like, rocking to a level you've never seen doing Ole at the wheel for 30 minutes straight. Because people were just excited to be, like, proudly Manchester United again. They were feeling good. And then, I'm telling you, we just had a little bit of misfortune and just, like, kind of just tripped all over ourselves. And then we just couldn't get – you couldn't get a result. Like, the last two games were embarrassing. Like, shambolic. If you listen to our pod, it's just, like, it's dire. Dire, dire things. I mean, we've never seen a squad that crap. But that was just – that was what kind of crazy season Manchester United fans went through last year. So – if you're rating on a scale of one to ten, um, where would you have landed on rating last season? One's being the best or ten being the best? Uh, ten being the best. One. <laughs> That's a one. <laughs> That's like a sixth place is not something that ever was acceptable as a Manchester United fan since I've been a fan. So, and just like the way the players played at the end of the year was like almost shameful because it's just it's always about you know. If you're not good enough, it's one thing, but you just you have to try hard. So there's a lot of lack of effort. I think that was a little bit of Mourinho legacy because that wasn't his style, hardworking style. And now Ole is going to put that like they're going to be old English, old English, hardworking. And that's going to be the only chance we got is that. Oh, awesome. Well, maybe beyond that, you know, if we're taking a look back at last season, if you could change one thing, if you have one major regret, what was the the one thing that if it had been changed would have, we should, uh, we should have overpaid for Slabhead last summer instead of this summer. That's what I would have done. Cause we would have finished the top four. Cause a center back would be enough. More Slabhead does it for you. That's that's what gets you top four. You need a starting center back commanding mountain of a player that can at least play out the back. Phil Jones can't play out the back. Smalling can't play out the back. I'm just saying you need a player. He's overpriced. He's a Gary Cahill. 
right? He's a good player, but he's not a great player, but he's still a player. And we needed at least a Gary Cahill in his prime. All right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, uh, you know, it didn't feel like looking from afar that the, the squad was necessarily set up to, you know, offer. I mean, we had seen the decline of Maddich and somehow he ends up getting a good contract at United. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was another kind of just interesting decline to watch from afar, but let's talk about maybe a little bit more positive stuff. You know, a couple of players have left, um, you know, Herrera leaves, you know, Valencia leaves, um, how are you feeling about maybe who's left or, or maybe who should still leave? This uh, this summer? Well, these are two different things. There's the who should leave and who I'm excited about. So um, I can give you a diatribe on each. But, I mean, there's a lot of dead wood to, f- to get rid of. This this is not a well-run corporation. Right? Manchester United is run, owned by the Glazer family since 2005. American family that also owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they have just, like, they, you know, they've pilfered the club. And it's it's just, like, an unbelievable travesty that will be talked about in the annals of history 30 years from now when they're eventually gone. But um, you have to keep that in mind, right? So all the bad business, the Herrera leaving on the free, the like ridiculous signings over the last four or five, six years, that's all because of them because they have this guy who's just a best in banker turned like, I'm going to run Manchester United. And that can basically explain everything. Like to the outside observer, that's the simplest way is like everything that's gone wrong is basically done to that. So sorry, we're talking about players. <laughs> we had a lot of players to sell, but that was just, that's the easiest way to explain it to a, to a Chelsea fan. I think that's important to say. So we're saying Ed Woodward is a problem. The Glazer, like their ownership <laughs> is prohibited. Like you guys have a very unique owner, right? And that like was good and bad and whatever. We can get into that's a whole nother pod. But he, it's basically just like run like a corporation through and through. So now top four is now like the now the table. So they're going to hopefully spend a little money. But it's kind of like the Arsenal mode they filled into. Just enough, but not they're not really trying to compete. And that's kind of where we've landed because – they can't do any better. Well, I imagine it's also due to the fact that you know, you look at at the top of the table and Liverpool and City are just so far ahead in terms of where their squad is at, where their organizational structure is at, that even if the Glazers decided tomorrow that they were going to invest every dime they make off United and put it back into the club, w- would you really think that in one or two seasons it would make a difference? Do you think there's enough organizationally there to change it? We're the highest earning club in the, in the league by far. Um, so I think you wouldn't take two seasons, but I think like four years, you spend a billion dollars, like the same way the city did you spend a million dollars in the next four or five years. You can win a title and challenge for trouble. But like, that's not, we're, we're a long way from that, but it's a billion dollars for us. Well, you guys did spend a little money and, uh, I know we, we got a chance. Not to, well, <laughs> well, we got a chance to see him. Actually, we were over to watch Crystal Palace versus Chelsea, uh, went to Selhurst park last season, saw great Juan Basaka, and yeah, he's a great player. Uh, you know, Nick, how did you feel about seeing him head to United? Do you feel like that solved some problems? Uh, yeah. I mean, it certainly it can't be a whole lot worse in the back line for you guys. So, uh, I, I think, I think he is incredibly accurately rated as a player. Um, I think he can get better. I don't always think that, uh, you know, some of the kind of selfish players at Palace, a la Zaha and, and a bunch of other guys necessarily did him a bunch of favors defensively, but he legitimately is super quick. And I think as, you know, uh, just watching him track back and track defenders and kind of, analyze their movements like he's going to be a really good player for you guys and a guy that I, I have a lot of respect for so I think that was a good signing I know that it's not necessarily a flashy signing Alex but it's it's one that if I were you guys I'd be fucking thrilled with dude I'm pumped that is like one of, that's the kind of signings I want Premier League proven 
who wants to move up to like one of the big six, and he's a great player, bro. Great tackler. He will go forward, right? His, his attacking stats don't do him justice because he played for a Palace, of course. Uh, we're not a bad team, right? I, I was fortunate enough to be at Sellers uh, Park for the 3-2 comeback, Matic banger, which like I was thrilled to be at. Uh, and he played in that game. He is, dude, he's a great signing. 50 million, but that's just like... 50 million is a new 30 million, and I have no problem with it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Another signing, I guess, of note would be that Daniel James came in from Swansea, and you know, that, that was maybe more a little bit of an under the radar signing. But how did you feel about him kind of joining as a attacking option? I mean, I like it. It's a good for that kind of play, like a cheap under 20 million championship player. He's a good player. You know, he's like rapid, got a lot of speed, he's got a lot of upside, but we need, we need much more firepower. You know, we need a a bang on striker, a striker like a Dabala, someone who's like proven at the highest level. He's he's a great to have, right? We, we did the same kind of move with the low last year, and I think he's already going to make him more of an impact because the championship. He's like he's ready to go, um, but we need a lot more. For, but for the price, there's no complaints at all. He's not going to be there this year, though, right? I mean, he's he's going out on loan most likely. I don't think so, actually. I think really? uh, I think Ole rates him. I mean, he's been playing in every game. He's look, he's gotten the shit fouled out of him by Spurs. So Sabko basically stomped him in the 25th minute. We did the pod right before this, and he like would have gotten a red card in a Premier League game. But it doesn't matter. It's just that he's, I think he'll play. He's like got that grit that he he will definitely be useful in some capacity off the bench. So another kind of interesting thing there is so you know. If Juventus come and they try to sell you a striker, just make sure it's not Higuain. Like, we'll just put that advertisement out there. <laughs> don't, don't get the old bait and switch from the old lady. Oh, we, we, we took our hands off of that. I mean, Murata must have taught you some kind of lesson in the least, right? Yes. Yeah, we're, we're, we're happy to be done with that saga of our... Hey, our... we shared Falcao, so it's all good. <laughs> we both made that mistake, one after another. <laughs> You're like, well, I'll give him a try, too. Why not? He sells jerseys. Oh, gosh. Um... So as, as we kind of think about those rivals departures, any one player you'd like to see gone now before the end, you know, end of the window, anyone that you'd like to see come in if you could do one one in and one out? I mean, anyone or likely? Uh, yeah, likely. I mean, we're not going to get Ronaldo coming to the UK, but... <laughs> we could hope, oh, and not anymore. Uh, he's going to MLS, I think, to retire for like five solid years after he's done winning Champions Leagues at Juve, but that's another story. Um, so one player out, I just want to get Phil Jones out for once. Just like... Send him on his way somewhere else, and I think that's just about time. It's been too long. And in, I'd like to get Bruno. You know, I was in Portugal a couple of weeks ago, and I had a bunch of people talk that were very hot on Bruno. Now we're going to play a little bit more than he's worth, but like we have to take a punt on a player like that because the type of player a city would buy or a Liverpool these days. So it's 55 million is the fee I'm hearing. I would be very excited um, to have him play as like a second number 10 along Pogba. In a two-two-two-two, yeah. Well, that would be very interesting if he does make it into the squad before the end of the transfer window. As we kind of go forward, let's talk a little bit about your views, Alex, as a supporter for United, taking a look at Chelsea today, and maybe kind of get your thoughts or your maybe your questions on the whole sorry out and then Lampard comes in. How how are you viewing that as an outsider? I mean, like, okay, what if I get past just the bad blood I have against Chelsea, which is part of like a compliment. Cause I think when I became a big fan, which is like seven Oh eight, we, we were the two big guns in, in England. So it's, it's more of a compliment than anything. Is that like one of my most visceral old school rivals is Chelsea. I always hate Chelsea first, even though like it's Liverpool and then city, then, then maybe you guys, but that's out of love now. So what I'm saying is I kind of see us both going through the same kind of phase. where like, we're kind of stuck in a, in a position we don't want to be in. And we, you know, you have your own kind of misgivings and as do we, um, and now we're having like an old 
legend come back and give have a punt on his managerial debut. You're going to have all these loanees from around the world that you can kind of br- bring back in. We've got a very solid academy. So it's like it'd be interesting to see how it plays out because I think those models might, might uh, work better than uh, would be expected because that's, that's what's happening in Wolves, right? It's just like hardworking system, old school, you know, play football. That makes sense. I think uh, I think it'll be a success for Chelsea. Wow! All right. Well, that that's exciting. I'm glad to hear the reinforcement of that idea from a United fan, no less. I mean, I want you to fail. I want you to fail miserably <laughs> and be below us. But I'm just saying, I actually think it'll work because it's it's smart. It's smarter than getting like a big name coach that's a lot of money that like wants to just like have immediate success. He'll get more time, and that's part of the, why you do it because he gets more time from the fans. And you guys are even more fickle than we are, so it's important. Oh yeah, we are we are more fickle than you. Um, let's see, Pulisic. Uh, that's that's kind of a big one that we've been talking to everybody about. I mean, obviously, as as Americans, we are particularly thrilled with this move, and and we were actually at uh, at Sanford Bridge that day. It was announced in January, which which was pretty special for us. So. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Like, I mean, it's, it's obviously the Premier League is a whole different ball game, right? No, it is. I mean, I think he's a great player, and I'm jealous that you guys got him. I would have loved to have Pooley running down the right wing at Old Trafford. <laughs> he still will be, but um, it's a great signing. I'm just, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure with Hazard leaving and Pooley not coming in, and you guys haven't like a, I don't know, quote unquote transfer ban, whatever that means these days. But I want him to do well. I think he will do well. But I think you know, it's you need a year. That's the rule we always talk about on our pod is like you need a year from another league unless you're a Dabala usually to kind of be like, all right, you have a year to adjust. And then I just want to make sure that you guys give him a year because he might still need a year because he's a young guy. And it's a big it's a big step up to the Premier League. Well, he he will have I think he's going to be given much like Frank. I think he's been given a little bit of time uh, to adjust. And uh, maybe to your point with this transfer ban and, and with you know, a lot of youth talent coming into the club, you know, who, who previously didn't really have a chance. I mean, it's an interesting time for us. Is there any, you know, any one of those kind of youth talent, um, you know, types of guys at Chelsea that you're looking at and saying, holy shit, that guy's going to be really good at Chelsea. Uh, I can say on my squad, um, Who's good? I mean, uh, who's the Hudson Adoy? He, I saw him play a couple of matches last season. Why don't you guys, is he, I mean, he's someone you guys highly rate because he looked pretty good from the, what I saw of him. He's going to be quite good. Um, he, he's just about to sign a, a five year extension. So that is very exciting for a team that can't really sign anyone. We're having a pretty good window, uh, thus far in terms of, uh, resigning. But yeah, it's, it's basically, you know, the crop that you're looking at is, is, you know, Hudson Adoy, Ruben Loftus cheek, Mason Mount, uh, Tammy Abraham and like Reese James, I would say, you know, as a, as a right back. So like that crop of guys for, for your knowledge has not really, you know, because we've been able to go and spend a bajillion dollars on players, just like you guys have, haven't really been given the same type of pathway to the first team. Like maybe United's, you know, some of United's youth players have been given. So that's like, that's what we're doing. Well, okay. I mean, okay. is one of the players that I know it's not one of the ones you mentioned, but he's someone that I've always rated uh, now at Bournemouth that, like, I don't know if you get rid of an Ake ever. Right? Isn't it always good to have a center back like that? That's just, that's just useful forever in my mind. But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he's, he's a good – he's one of my favorites, and I was really sorry to, to see him go. But, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's an exciting time for us there just because we you – know, I think we constantly analyze just like you do, you know, kind of who's coming up next, right? You, you know who's on the, in the first team currently, but, you know, there are always a couple of spots where you're like, well, what if we gave – 
you know, this guy a chance and see, you know, with a little bit of extra motivation, what he might be able to do. Well, who should United be a frightful of? You know, who do you guys rate the most of, of your academy guys coming up? Who I I'm still I'm still super excited about what Mesa Mountain is going to do this season. So uh, 11 goals, five assists, all competitions under Frank Lampard at Derby last season. Amazing motor, great presser, good on a dead ball opportunity. Uh, great, actually, from shooting outside the box as well. Uh, you know, I think that now that he has had a year to really play a very high pressing, very high tempo rate underneath Lampard, that he's going to come in and be a little bit of a you know a director like talisman on the pitch to try to help get Frank's idea across as quickly as possible and, and execute at a high level. I, I, Nick might disagree, but that that's the guy I'm pointing to. Yeah, I mean. I- Unfortunately, my guy got hurt really late in the season. That's Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I know he's a little bit older than the other guys. When he's healthy, he's going to terrorize this league. I mean, it's he's so big and so strong and so good with the ball at his feet and, and such a good passer. And he's starting to finally get the outside-of-the-box shot somewhere around goal more frequently. I, I just – I'm looking at him and I'm saying, like, by the time he's, like, 26, he's going to be – just a wrecking ball in midfield. And I'm really excited about that personally, but uh, any, any youth talent at United that we should be acutely aware of Alex? I mean, there's quite a few, but um, Scott McTominay, I think he is the real deal. He's like someone that was spotted under LVG and every coach liked him, including Mourinho. So I think if you can remember one, Scotty McSauce McTominay is the one to remember. <laughs> McSauce. God. <laughs> He's legit. <laughs> oh, that is that is quite wonderful. Uh, anything else, you know, on the the state of Chelsea, on what the club is doing, anything that you kind of take away as a supporter, just you know, of of United looking at, looking at us from afar. Like, is it, you know, do you do you think that we're a crazy club because we hire and fire with basically indiscriminate types of actions? Is it because of the players we're signing recently? Like, what what are your kind of maybe your current thoughts or final thoughts about looking at Chelsea? <laughs> I want to get invited back on the pod, so I have to be. Oh no, you can be mean. Don't pull punches. We want we want the real Alex here. Uh, you don't want the real Alex. Oh no, but like it depends. I mean, you guys are Americans that grew up being Chelsea fans, so. You've only known the Abramovich years, so it's like I respect that. I get it. It's the it's the, it's the name of the day of global football these days. But um, to the end of the day, you know, I feel as hollow, 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 and <laughs> that's our chance for you guys. So I, I, I I'm sending my love, my love and wishes from the American Red Devils. But I'm, uh, you know, it's still it's still it's the rivalry that I grew up with. All right. Well, uh, you know. Maybe we're not inviting him back on the pod again. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I told you. So, what's your uh, what's your chant for City when you uh, when you when you look at when you have the uh, your derby? Is it uh, what's the kind of cheer that you'll throw at them? Kicking a blue. We like mo- that's how we end our our how we end every podcast with kicking a blue. Fought, fought, uh, fought in France, fought in Spain, fought in the snow, and fought in the rain. So took the scouts and the Chelsea too. But what we like most is kicking a blue, and that's. That's our my favorite chant. Especially <laughs> now, because they they're such a better run organization from a business perspective, tech, technically wise. The players they sign, like the, who they have, like running the club, it's you know, it's a it's like a shell corporation. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> where do you? Where <laughs> they're, do you they're stand? quite good. Where, where do you stand? Or and I know I, I'm I'm asking a leading question, but the whole 
Glazer's out mentality, the whole trying to drive them to change in action. You know, where do you think, you know, maybe the supporter base is at? And like, what action do you feel like the fan base might be able to actually in action this year with the concerted effort? Well, here's here. I can only speak from my perspective and perspective of the American Red Devils because I'm one of the co-hosts. This is like we are as Glazer out as you get. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the clown that was circulating. No, but no, there there was a clown that was of Avram Glazer. It was just a a riff off of the uh, the Goodell clown that <laughs> that was that was personified in the United States, and we did it for Avram Glazer because the head of the board, he's the number one honcho, and we it got picked up a little bit during the Glazer out uh, movement. Now we're selling the shirts. My buddy did it custom in house, John, the other co-host. So we are Glazer out because they are the problem. They're like they are the root source of everything. And you could you could trace trace the slack uh, the slide all the way back to 05 when they're uh, like Fergie would have even won more if he was backed properly. But um, we're as glazer as you get. <laughs> well, that is. Uh, and do you think anything could happen this season? With you know, do you see any efforts being taken? Do you feel any maybe petitioning? Are there going to be banners flown on t- uh, above Old Trafford? Like, what's the strategy going to be? And you know, do you think anything will come of it? I mean, I think they're actively looking to get bought, which is kind of why they're they've been so slow to move in the market. They haven't bought it. You know, the transfers activity thus far has been like very minimal. Um, so the theory we think is that like they're actually actively looking to get to deal the club, maybe to the Chinese, maybe to the Saudis. Um, but there's nothing you can do, right? Like you guys know that having things go over the over the stadium, it just makes the fans look bad. So. All we can do is not buy the stupid Chevrolet jerseys this year. Not, you know, try and avoid putting money in their pockets. But what can you do? You still support your club. I still have to pay for MUTV if I want to watch, you know, the academies play and, you know, all the games. So it's, you're conflicted, but you, you have to be out because that's the problem. They're not spending money. Well, uh, it is a, uh, a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice, I think, Nick, though, to have an owner who's, who's so invested, who's really mm. made it about... What's the latest about the trophies? Uh, you know, I mean, look, he can't get into the country, and it's uh, it's an unfortunate geopolitical situation that has occurred. But you know, I think when you look at what we've done in terms of getting Petr Cech back involved from a technical standpoint, putting Lampard in place, really getting a couple of these youth players that are so promising to sign an extension. Uh, you know, Petter talked about how you know he talked with Roman about his appointment into the you know, technical advisory role. He's there. He wants to watch us win. He was in Boston for the you know anti-Semitism match that we were all you know, had a chance to go to. So I mean, it's a guy who loves his club, and I think it's just an unfortunate situation where he can't be present. And you know what? I I think. I, I feel like I miss seeing him there. I miss seeing the camera pan up to him and him being excited because we score a goal because he is an owner who gives a damn. And that's not something you can say when you look at United about what those owners actually care about. And you know, this is a guy who at some point will probably want to give the club over to you know his son or one of his children and allow them to shepherd it into the next generation with the family inheritance. And hopefully that love of the club is transitioned inappropriately and cemented in. And, you know, as long as the club is making smart decisions to stay competitive, I, I'm, I'm over the moon with what he has done for the club and continues to do. Yeah. The, the geopolitics is, is the rough part, man. Like if, if we're honest, like it's, 
it's not football controlled. You know, this, this transfer ban is football controlled. You know, it's like, you know, the, the governing body, which is as corrupt as any, any of the, uh, the clubs uh, have been in signing players have determined that Chelsea have violated one of their uh, rules and, and now we're getting punished for it. So that's like, that's the thing you can look to and say like, okay, that's football, you know, uh, geopolitics and how the Russians for another know, pod are, are doing so stuff. Think the football matters is yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult though, because it affects kind of our weekend week out perspective on, you know, some of these questions that you're just asking us, like we have any effing idea, to be honest, like we're just kind of, you know, projecting like we like we can. But, yeah, it's it's a little tough. It's a little tough for sure. Hey, well, I feel the pain as well as a former investment banker trying to analyze all the money they're wasting, and all the money they're taking off the table. You just better off just sticking to the football matters. Otherwise, <laughs> it just brings you down. All right. Well, we will get ready to wrap this up here. But before we do that, we need some predictions from you. And if you want to go on your podcast and make different predictions before the start of the season, that's okay. We will only hold you to the ones you make here. But Fair enough. league table position for United, end of the season, 38 matches, done and dusted. Where do you finish? Fourth. Ooh. Who's your uh, Who's your one, two, three? Liverpool, City, Tottenham, us, you, Arsenal. Wow. Bold. Bold Liverpool with the uh, the title win too. They finally do at thirty years. <laughs> thirty years they get it. Oh well, I I for one, and I know Nick agrees with me. Hopes that doesn't happen because that will signal the end times. The portals will open to a different vortex, and the Earth oh, they're the worst. I know they're itself. the worst of the worst. That's why I'm even, I can't even go. I won't even go on a scouse pad pod. Uh, so they're the worst of the worst, and they only they'll only get worse if they win a Premier League title. Um, but you guys, we have that in common for sure. <laughs> well, we we will root against that together. So, you know, in terms of maybe more realistic titles for both Chelsea and for United this coming season, maybe some uh, league domestic silverware, FA Cup, League Cup. Do United win zero, one, or both? And if they win any, which ones are they winning? Well, based on the transfer window we've had, unless we pull off like a mega swoop, Pogba, you know, Pogba Dybala, cruise trade, I think. It's fourth and hope maybe an FA Cup if the boys are riding high under LA. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I was going to, I had to edit the script here last minute. I, I was going to ask you about where you were going to finish in the Champions League this season. But <laughs> I, I, I had to remind myself because uh, I, I used the template in the last podcast we did with Spurs. And so I just copied the template and I made the edits and I didn't head to the end of the yeah, script. Very good. Very good. And, and so I needed to edit it. So you're really big. <laughs> How many Premier League titles do you guys have? How many did you have before Robovich? Uh, Less than Everton? Uh, yeah. Here we go. I mean, about the same since we both started watching. So if you're going to pull that. Um, <laughs> it's 03. Uh, let's yeah, do yeah, I yeah, was yeah. saying. Let's, I, just since you started watching, because that's when history started, when we started watching. Yeah, well, that's that's what our that's when our history started. Um, yeah, uh, you're, you're in the Europa League because you were terrible at the end of last year. So we let's were. Talk we more were. About it's a little that. less terrible than you guys. Yep. Uh, well, a little more. Excuse, a little more terrible. Excuse, a little were more terrible. Quite a, we were quite more, a bit we, more we, terrible. Quite a bit. Um, tell tell me about the Europa League. Tell me how this is going to go. Thursday night football, bright lights. Uh, you know, Belarus on a Thursday. They, they tell you what they don't. They don't get an individual breakdown on a pod for a Thursday night. That's that's the rule. We cover it, you know, but we don't do the preview pod. Thursday nights is casually covered. As I imagine you, you lot covered it, right? Which is just you do it, but you don't you don't make it a big time event. So boy, we did our best, man. It, it just 
that schedule is rough. It is, I, dude. Thursday nights kill you. Yeah, I don't, I don't envy you guys uh, heading into this year because it's, you know, it was just, it nearly broke us at the end, the end of the year. But it wasn't ugh. even the Thursday nights. It was the fact that all our games got moved to Sundays then. Yeah. And so you were doing this awful schedule of okay, we'll we'll do a recording. Uh, this is me complaining about podcasting. So anybody who hates yeah. that self-referential piece should probably fast forward 30 seconds. Check but your you, privilege, rec- Dan. Record on a Thursday and then record again on a Sunday. And like there was just not a lot of breathing room. So, uh, yeah. But you know what? Worse for the teams. Worse for the supporters who had to travel to the actual matches. Like what a what a crock of shit. And uh, thankfully, uh, we're back in the Champions League. So it's not a bother. But uh, we well, just have to stay it. there this season. That is the uh, that's the focus. Um, and you already gave the other answer, which I was going to ask, where do you think Chelsea finished in the table? You think they will finish fifth below United. So maybe since you think United is going to be fourth, what's the point differential going to be between Chelsea and United at the oh, end of the Oh, it's going to be a season? whisker. Two points. It'll be like, it'll like 71-69. It'll be very tight. Wow. Oh. Oof. Photo it's going to be tight finish. all season because we're like, we're, we're like, it's going to be comparable, I think. I think the starting – I can't wait for kickoff in two weeks. It's going to be great because it's going to be a good test of, of where both of our teams are. So, uh, Who wins uh, Who wins the first matchup? Uh, I think it's United 2-0 at home. Oh, oh, Nick, yeah. do, you, do you have an yeah. early feeling? Yeah, no, I think that's about right. I mean, and, and frankly, like, Who's your I'm not even – I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I'm, It's not Gonzalo Higuain. I'm just curious. Um, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm Giroud. Like, to- Giroud. Giroud will start. And Giroud's not game. a bad striker. No. So I yeah I, I think we'll probably I don't think we're gonna win the first match but I also don't think I'd rather play you guys away in the first match than in April um, so I'm excited that we're getting that one out of the way early and can you know we got Liverpool at home two weeks later or three weeks later so it's gonna be pretty, pretty great way to start good. the season it'd be super fun it'd be oh. a fun game and it's always a fun well and I think the interesting thing right is is the optics actually either way will work out really well for either side regardless of the results like if there's a draw. It's both sides are still figuring things out. They're getting things put in place. They're building the foundation. Either side loses. It's a, hey, it's a tough first match to take in for either of these sides that are really kind of restructuring themselves. And, and the winner, you know, gets to say, oh, you know, like they, they caught, you know, the narrative could be, well, they caught the team early and they're the beneficiary of the moment. And like ultimately, like framing the result is going to be very easy for every, I think, supporter to justify whatever the result is, uh, regardless what it actually ends up being on the day and date. Couldn't agree more. That's why we should save it for the next pod, mate. (laughs) We should indeed. Well, Alex, part of the American Red Devils, you got to check out their podcast if you want to hear them talk about United. But uh, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh, you know what? We would invite you back. I think, uh, I think Nick would agree with me. I was, I was on the edge there, ed- edge there for a minute. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. It was, yeah, it was good times. Guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, hope to hear from you soon. And glory, glory. Oh, well, we can't end it that way. We're going to cut that out. We're going to cut I think we have to bleep that one out. We just gone, yeah, there's going to be some editing, uh, oh. creative editing done at the end there. My you know man. what's interesting is that we weren't, Actually, had an explicit oh, rating until he said yeah, that. True. So that, <laughs> well, I'm that actually sorry, happened. Fellas. I'm sorry. It's a little extra editing. You guys edited it as, as you like. Uh, all right. Well, from Nick and myself and the rest of our London is Blue crew, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.